0: Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I would like to begin here today by calling in the spirits to be with us. So I call out first to your ancestors and to mine, I call out to all of those people who lived well, who died well, those people who bring all that is good and true and beautiful in our ancestral lines to us. I call out to these people that carry the lineage of wisdom and guidance that is there in each of our ancestral lines. I call out to these people to be with us. And I call out through the people to life, to the earth, to the planet, and to the great spirits of the land in each region that you live. I call out to these great spirits that define your region, be they deserts or mountains, be they deep ocean-going rivers, the coasts perhaps of great oceans, perhaps great lakes, Whatever it is, whatever whatever the great spirits of the land are that hold your region, region in its uniqueness, I call out to those great spirits because they are ancestors as well ancestors of all of the rest of life that we are here living with so I call out to the ancestors of the people the ancestors of life the ancestors of the land I call out to all of these beings to be with us here today and to help us the humans to come to understand how to do what we are here to do in a good way in a way that is good for all of life so I call out to the old ones to those who understand that which abides who understand how to cultivate those things that will go with us when we die and help us to remember in each day to pay attention to those things first and let the other things get handled later. So I give great, great gratitude for these ancestors and these many forms for gathering around us and holding us well and helping to guide the living that we might truly and fully do what we are here to do so that all that is needed is here for those who are coming. So I call out to these ancestors to be with us. And I ask you each now to take your awareness from wherever it might be, perhaps in your head, and move it down into your heart. And with a nice breath, take it from your heart to your belly. And with another breath, take it from your belly down to connect to the energy of the earth, the earth, the planet, the earth, the being. And take a moment to give thanks give thanks to this great mother for all that is here on this planet, the great abundance that flows to us in spite of our folly. We call out to the earth in gratitude for harvest, for food, for beauty, for diversity, for home. We give great, great thanks to the earth for whatever it is you have to give gratitude for in this day. But we take a moment in each day to touch the earth and to give thanks. We give thanks for the wonder of life and thanks for all that has been in our life that has brought us to this moment, for all that is in this moment with all of its great capacity for change, for transformation, and for all that will be in the vision, the dream, the story that we are all co creating. So we take a moment in wonder and gratitude with the earth and say thank you. And then we reach our energy down through all the layers of the earth down, down, down to the very center of the earth and we touch this essential energy with great, great gratitude for restoration, rejuvenation and replenishment for these energies that help us to restore, that um, allow us to be in times of silence and solitude and to draw from that the great restoration and replenishment that comes from this place of peace and stillness. And so we call out to the energy of the earth and draw it up into our body, into our day, into these proceedings, just like drawing up fresh water out of a spring that's bubbling up to the surface of the earth for the weary traveler. We call this energy up into our bodies, into our bellies, and we give thanks to the energy of the earth for bringing all the wisdom of the cosmos. I'm sorry, all of the wisdom of manifestation that we might learn how to be here in form in a good way. And I call out to the energy of the earth and give thanks for its presence in myself and in each of you that we might learn how to be grounded, that we will learn how to create a sense of home, a sense of hearth in that home, a sense of connection and interconnection with others, and that we can create a sense of home and belonging that is not insular, but that opens to the diversity in the world around us and sets a place at the table for the other and welcomes that which is different from ourselves in that we might all learn and grow and be inspired by things we didn't know anything about before. May we grow out of our ignorance, may we let go of our misunderstandings, and may we be open to the beauty that we are here to create together. And may we do this simply by opening ourselves to otherness. And with great, great gratitude to the Earth, we give thanks because she teaches us through her energy connection, interconnection, and the great oneness of things. If you can simply watch for a time the moving of an ecosystem through seasons, especially an ecosystem not profoundly impacted by humans. We can see what connection and interconnection and oneness actually are manifest in the world. And we give thanks for the timeless patience of the earth and nature to give us this reminder again and again of what it means to be part of a great fabric of life. And may we tune in to that oneness, at least for a moment in each day, and restore that understanding within ourselves. And so let us draw this earth energy up from the belly to the heart, from the heart to the mind and draw this energy all the way up through the sky, through the atmosphere, out through the cosmos and all the way up to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name, you know, this energy, reach out to it, touch it, call out to it and draw it down into yourself, into your day, into these proceedings, calling in all of the wisdom of the cosmos, calling in blessing. And protection, calling in generosity and benevolence and devotion. We call in inspiration and illumination and draw these energies in down through all the layers of the sky into our head, our heart and our belly and send it down to the center of the earth. Completing this connection of these two great lovers, earth and sky within ourselves. And may the love of these two energies awaken our own hearts and the profound power of a human heart its capacity for love and vision, for strength and courage, for clarity, for fullness of heart. We call this energy to awaken in our heart and we ask that crucible of the heart to open and be that place where we can finally bring together the the fiery, um, defying logic kind of passions that are living in the lower chakras and we draw them up into the heart, draw down the crystal clear um, clarity of the mind that if we lived only that, it would be ever so boring. So we call these energies into the heart so that they can dance with each other in great passion to give birth to the third most sacred thing, that which is not yet known here at all in any place in the great manifestation of life in many forms, your purpose. And so we call out to the heart to, to let the earth and sky, the belly and the head, to let these energies all dance together that they give birth to that third most sacred thing, your remembering of why you are here. And may you find in your heart courage to do something in this day, large or small, to bring those gifts out into the world. So with all of these energies around us, I give great, great thanks for the help that we receive as humans in our life if we simply remember to open our hearts to receive it. So may what needs to be said be said, what needs to be heard be heard, and may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. I have so much gratitude for those of you that are helping me to keep this show alive and well uh, in a good way with good energy exchange out here in the world. For those of you that might be turning in, tuning in for the first time today, this show is available for free to anyone who has access to the internet, which means it's not exactly free to everyone, but we're trying. And there are about five years of archives of all the past shows also for free on whyshamanismnow.com, at the cocreatornetwork.com site, and on available on iTunes. Um, and the interview shows are available at the Society of Shamanic uh, Practitioners. So the, these shows are available, and they are free. And those of you that are able to donate financially are helping me to keep that true. And I give great gratitude to you. I give thanks to Mark and Sarah, to Oleg, to Joyce, to Nakaya. And I, just, I, I have great gratitude in my heart and excitement in my heart that these donations come in from all over the world. That touches me so deeply because the old story is a story of all of these nations fighting. And various and sundry nations wanting to rule the whole world. I don't know why anyone would want to do that. It seems like really a whole lot of responsibility. But anyway, my point is thank you. Thank you for helping from all over the world that we might offer something back to the world. Not just to Americans, not just to white people, not just to people of a certain class or whatever. But to everyone. Because we are, will do this together or not at all. So thank you. So thank all of you for donating to the show. If the show is meaningful to you in any way, please do something to help the show to grow stronger. You can go to whyshamanismnow.com and donate any amount, large or small. I am grateful for all of it. It all goes directly to keeping the show on the air. Some people have figured out how to set up monthly recurring payments, and I believe they are doing that through their own PayPal account. So please feel free to do that. Um, you're more than welcome to do that. It's easier that way. Um And also thank you for questions. Thank you for show ideas. Thank you for taking these teachings into your life and doing them and seeing what happens. So for all of these many things, I am very, very grateful. So today we are continuing with part two of last week's show. Last week's show explored why we are afraid to die. Because people are, frankly, afraid to die. And I've been around a lot of people lately who are afraid to die and dealing with the dead in my ancestral healing work. And it's a big problem and growing ever bigger. So last week we explored why we are afraid to die. And I ended that show with a quote from Mark Twain, which is this. The fear of death follows from a fear of life, a person who lives fully is prepared to die at any time. And so today's show is about why are we afraid to live fully? So we are live. For those of you that want to call in and talk to me about this topic, um, you can call in at 512-772-1938. You can Skype in from the co network.com site or email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. And I would be happy to uh, read your question on the air. So why are we afraid to live fully? Why would we fear life? Why would we not live fully just as a matter of course? Why is living fully such an issue? That it has become an enormous money maker, at least in contemporary America, if not other places in the world. People have therapists. They have life coaches. They have personal trainers. They even have shamanic healers. I mean, let's just take my own teachings, for example, the cycle of transformation. This began for the singular reason decades ago to give people the healing they needed to let go, and the skills they needed to move forward in a different way so that they were able to live fully in, in the early days of the cycle of transformation. This was the entire um, expressed purpose of the cycle teachings was to live your life fully so that you are expressing your soul's purpose in the contemporary world. And for most of us to do that, frankly, we need some healing and we need some new life skills. And in that, That process is quickened greatly by throwing in um, some very finely crafted shamanic ritual and ceremony to move that along. Nonetheless, it was still the central point of the cycle. Now my understanding of the full cycle cosmology and its impact, its possibility is much larger today 25 years later, but facing the fear of living fully, living a full and purposeful life is still at the core of the cycle teachings. So so that's where it began, and this came directly out of a change in my own life that put me in this place that, that I'm talking about here today, in that feeling, back to Twain's quote, in that feeling that at any moment could be a good time to die, to live so fully That any moment could be a good time to die. So what is interesting to me as I reflect on this time in my life when everything changed is that actually my life wasn't any different at all. I was still poor. I was still working in a costume shop. I was still going to dance class. I was still going to auditions. And I was still mostly not dancing. So my life wasn't any different. I was made different. I had been changed by my initiatory experience so utterly, so profoundly, that nothing was the same. Nothing. Nothing was the same without anything in my life changing but me. And so finally, finally, I really understood a quote I've been living my entire life with. The important thing is this, to be ready at any moment to sacrifice what you are for what you could become. This is a really powerful quote, and it been on a poster in my home, I think, when I was a child by Dubois. The important thing is this, to be ready at any moment to sacrifice what you are for what you could become. And this is actually the primary reason, for those of you that have worked with me as a client, that I refer to the fee for my services as a sacrifice. It goes back to this quote. It goes back to my understanding of the power of sacrifice. And it's shamanic. It's true. It's, it's non-religious sense. It's, it's true sense of how we move energy in the world with the real energies. So even though I'd lived with this quote my whole life, I didn't really understand it until that time in my life there in New York when everything changed. So what had happened in this spontaneous initiatory experience? So there's basically four parts if we just reflect back on it in the context of living fully because it's this experience that set the whole shamanic path in motion but but today, what I just want to focus on is the fact that it changed my life in such a way that I was living fully, even though I wasn't doing anything differently. My life wasn't any different. And so this is really important to understand as we're struggling or exploring or challenging our fear of living fully. So what happened on that fateful experience. So there's basically four parts that are important to look at. So those four parts are very simply, I failed. It is really important to understand how everything else was set in motion by the fact that I came to accept fully that the person that I had learned to be failed. And that was not easy for someone actually who hadn't pretty much failed at anything in her entire life, that I was still succeeding in life, but I was failing to live a life of meaning and purpose. I was failing to do what I had come here to do. And I accepted that the the web of the person that I had learned to become, you know, the the daughter, the lover, the everything else I'd become, the dancer, all the, the business person, all the thing, the chemist, all the things that I'd learned to become, all the ways that i learned to succeed in the world that was entirely crafted by the moment-by-moment experiences throughout my childhood. That this web of beliefs and complexity and fears and dreams and everything, that the whole shaping of that person who was a very successful high functioning person had failed and accepting that failure and allowing that person to die is part one. So part two is that there is a new person that arises out of that death and that that new person forged a relationship with spirit. Now, I had no idea at the time that this would become my initiatory helping spirit. Frankly, I just wanted her to go away because she was scary. Um, But the point is the new person that emerged from the death of the old person forged a relationship with spirit. So the primary relationship was with spirit. Not with my culture, not with my parents, not with my family of origin, not with any of that. It was a timeless primary relationship outside of space and time and circumstances and anything. So part three, the sort of quote unquote woman I learned to be. So this, this, this energy, this, this energy invested in dreaming the dream of the woman I had learned to be left quite literally. In my experience, this was a very literal part of the experience that it just literally walked out. Well, it floated out. But the point is, it left in its entirety. It, it, I, I see. As I prepared for the show today, I, I saw it differently for the first time. I really saw it as the dream. So the 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 cultural dream is dreaming, and my energy is contributing to that. And it's all coming together and manifesting this dream that I'm contributing to that's dreaming my reality into existence. And that this is the woman I have learned to be from my time, from my culture, from every relationship I've ever had with the women that mattered to me and the men that mattered to me and my parents and their expectations and all of this stuff around woman. my education at a woman's college. I mean, all these things contributed to the woman I had learned to be. And she walked out, literally. And I let that dreaming go. And the important thing about one and three here on my little list is it left me in the unknown. And that's important to be willing to have some time, log some hours in the unknown, days, months, years, in the unknown, to allow something new to happen. But anyway, back to my list. One, two, three. Three was letting the woman or the man, given whoever you are, uh, that you had learned to be to walk out. And then the final part is that this new person that emerged from all of this listened to my soul. The ageless, timeless aspect of who each of us actually came here to be. That's because the soul carries the soul's purpose. And the longing for that and the desire for that, that's coming out of the soul. And so the important thing is unlike the woman I had learned to be and the one that was succeeding in life, paying bills, feeding myself, finding lovers, finding a job, all that stuff, that person wasn't listening to my soul. At least not very regularly and not very well. And so this new person just forged, you know, stuck there in the unknown, reached out to two things, one spirit and two, my own spirit, my own soul, and, and forged a relationship there and began to rebuild a trusting relationship. So these, these things are not unique to me. They, they, are, they are typal functioning parts of an initiatory experience whether it's an initiation from childhood to adulthood or or in, from adulthood into shamanism or whatever. These are initiatory actions, functions. So these are the four things to explore deeply in your life if you realize that you are actually afraid to live fully, to live passionately, or to simply create a life that you actually want to be living. I mean, so many high-functioning people create these Really amazing lives that frankly they don 't want, they get there, they make it happen, and one one message is, Is this really all there is? This is it the other one is i i don 't feel anything coming from this i 'm doing all these fabulous things, but there's doesn 't matter to me there 's no meaning in it there 's no purpose so anyway. So these are these four things that we need to explore if we want to live passionately, if we want to live fully, or we simply want to create a life that we actually want to be living. So with that said, I'm going to take a small detour and come back. So let's talk for a minute about want, because I just talked, said, you know, create a life you want to be living. Okay. Now want though is a little bit of a trickstery place. Okay. So, want can be a trap. Want is the baited hook and that what we think we want becomes what we think is our nature. And it's, it's actually part of the big story that we're telling ourselves about who we are. And so we have a tendency to do the same thing over and over again. It's like the story of trickster of Raven, trickster Raven and the fish and the baited hook and the fish can't uh, defy their nature and just bites the worm because it's their nature to eat that worm or that fly or whatever. And in that they get hooked. And so when you've told yourself it's your nature to eat that worm To be that man or woman or husband or wife or starving artist or wildly financially successful business person or whatever you've told yourself is the worm, you're going to keep biting the hook. So what Raven figures out is how do I get the worm off the hook so that I can have the worm but I don't get caught by the hook. That's the trickstery bit around want. So, well, that's the Raven story about want. So the trickstery bit here is this whole context for this initiation happening in my life, right? This one that I had into adulthood and the one I just talked about into shamanism, both of these. The whole context is the fact that I had already chosen to change my wanting, And this is very, very important if you want to live life fully, is you need to investigate your wanting. Is it just a baited hook or is it a true wanting? So I was in a time in my life, in my early 20s, that I no longer wanted to be the A student, the great lover, the beloved child that my parents were proud of, Um, The successful business person in the world, the doctor, whatever it was, I no longer wanted the me I had become, even though she was extremely good at surviving in our contemporary world. You know, she was intelligent, but not too intelligent. She was attractive, but not too attractive. So she could move into any situation and do it, not necessarily threatening people. Uh, it, at the get-go, sometimes threatening later once people realize they've been had. But the point is, it was very high-functioning and essentially very happy. And part of that was because I came into life with a lot of advantages that my parents provided for me beautifully. And I took that and ran with it. And so I was very successful in the world, in the world, as my culture defined that value system. Right? But I had seen the trap in that. It's a long story why. But the point is I had seen the trap in that success in the world. Not that we shouldn't be successful. But I had seen the trap in that particular version of success. And I had seen, thanks, frankly, to my drug addict boyfriend that forced me the suffering in that, my own suffering in that, forced me to see my own addictions. I had seen that I was addicted to being that person. So in other words, being that person was as much of a trap for me as his cocaine addiction was a trap for him. That I was not free to be whatever I chose to be. In spite of all of this story, We have in America, in particular, about being independent and being individuals and being free. And most Americans are not free at all because they are utterly and completely trapped by their own story of who they are, what they can and can't do, etc. So my freedom, I realized that my sense of freedom and independence that I valued so much was utterly and completely false, that I actually wasn't free at all. That I was driven to be that person I had learned to be, and that it was a trap, and that I was a slave. I was imprisoned to my own story of myself. And I have to give thanks to Phyllis Pay and the clearing practices that I learned at that time in my life, because they created the context to change my wanting. So that clearing practice showed me how I carried that prison with me. It really helped me see no matter the story, no matter how traumatic and true the story was, it isn't now. So if I am still allowing myself to be shaped by it, I am the prison keeper and the prison. And I really saw that. And I saw also in that that I could change the situation, which is the beauty of a true clearing practice. Is you see that you are creating it and you see precisely how to clear it and how to change it. Um, But to do that in a big way, I realized I had to change what I wanted. And here, you must be very careful what you ask for. Because before you were asking for survival, you were asking for your parents to be proud of you, you were asking to be loved, you were asking to fit in, you were asking to survive and not be abandoned or banished or all this stuff. And that's the life we end up creating and that's the prison. And so you must be very careful what you are asking for, careful what you are wanting. So at that time in my life, in these early 20s, I simply asked to know my purpose I deeply wanted to know why I was here. I wanted my life to matter, not in any sense of fame or importance in that sense, but I wanted to have a life that was meaningful to me so that my time here mattered to me, that it was not wasted. So I changed my wanting. I wanted to know why I was here more than I wanted to be successful, uh, put food on the table, be a great lover, be a good daughter, any of those things. I wanted to know why I was here more than any of the things I had been wanting for the first two decades of my life. So like Raven, I changed my wanting. I began to try to figure out how to get the worm off the hook without biting the hook. In other words, how to feed myself without feeding myself in the old ways, right? How to do it differently. Or I simply agreed to go hungry for a moment so that something else could happen. And that is another really important aspect of the trickstery nature of things is sometimes we must forego what we think we want or need to allow an entire another set of circumstances to happen so first if we want to deal with our fear of living fully first you must change your wanting and no one can do this for you <laughs> you must change your wanting this isn't about soul loss so you can't do it, or this isn't about my PTSD, so I can't do it. This isn't about I'm oh-so-sensitive, so I can't do it, or about possession, I'm possessed, so I can't do it. It makes me do this. It's not about any of these other reasons. This isn't about learning or healing. It is about choosing. And nothing can ever take your free will from you, your freedom to choose No one can take that from you but you. And so changing your wanting is a choice that you make and you can make it at any point in time in your life. So there's making that choice and sticking to it, come hell or high water, and believe me, both things came time and time again, as did great beauty and wonder, great changes and learning. But just because you make the right choice doesn't mean suddenly everything is bunnies, fairies and pink and glittery. You know, this whole new age idea that if you just make the right vision, the right choice all will come to you. Well, all does come to you and a great deal of it is the lessons you need to learn to continue to transform yourself in the person who can really live this dream you've come here to live. The real dream. The why you are here dream. So Hell or high water, it'll come and you got to just hitch up your britches and deal with it. So the beauty of shamanism is that we can actually begin to explore what is going on energetically and functionally in our life. And so, A, change your wanting. So B, let's go back now to these four dynamics around how life can change uh, So that you can live fully and notice your fears and deal with them before they start to limit and diminish and shape your life. Okay, so the first piece was failing. Remember, step one was the person that I was failed or the person that I was accepted that she had failed. So at this point in time, there's not a lot of distance between... My internal, my most internal sense of self and my ego identity at that young, tender age in my 20s. Because like most of you listening to this show, I was certainly not initiated by my culture from childhood into adulthood. So I'm hitting my Saturn return with um, no help like everybody else, right? Now, that's not true that I had no help because actually I had many people come into my life to mentor me and teach me and guide me. Much of which went right over my head. But my point is, I am still alone dealing with these situations as most of us are in the contemporary world. No one said, here, come to me, let me initiate you. I am pretty much was flailing around all by myself in Manhattan. Okay. So, fear of failure. So, what is critically important if you want to change your wanting and create a life that you're going to live, feel that you are living fully. Remember, the issue is I didn't change my life so that I was living my soul's purpose. I changed myself so that every day was a good day to die. And once I began living that way, I started making choices that allowed me to begin to live my soul's purpose in a much, much more accurate ways than before, the flailing, than the flailing that I was doing before. Okay, so how do you change yourself so that you can begin to live in your life in such a way that you begin to create a life that has deep meaning and purpose for yourself and you really feel that you're living fully and any day could be a good day to die. Now, I realize if you have children, no day is a good day to die if you're their parent. I Granted, can we just let that knowledge be riding here throughout this show it's never a good day to die if you've got kids granted Um, with that your children should not be an excuse for you to not live fully and passionately and purposefully because of course they'll live the way you live and so by doing this you model how to do that for them okay so back to our list here fear failure So, what is critically important is to be able to let the life that isn't working go. And I know that sounds really simple. But the basic, but we all know it's challenging to do. Okay. But more importantly... When people are caught up in the life as the reality and their ego identity is completely attached to their inner self, there's no room for their inner self to offer any other input. That life you've created for yourself takes on uh, the feeling of being a reality that has no other options. And I can't tell you how many people are, are, for example, in my practice right now that cannot let the life they know isn't working for them go. They can't accept, this person I have become, I believe that I am, has failed. Has failed to manifest a life for me that has meaning and purpose. So I need to let him or her go and start over. And that this there there's this like politically correct idea that somehow to acknowledge that failure is um, not accepting ourselves. But to not acknowledge that failure means we never close the door. We never acknowledge what isn't working and stop it. Instead, we somehow have to keep dragging all that isn't working along, as we try to find some energy to do something new that might work, and. an energetic equation that doesn't work if i want to do something new i have to stop doing something old so that i have the energy to do the new thing it's very simple so i worked with this woman for a long time she was a very committed student even part of my uh, initial efforts at taking on apprentices so many many years in the cycle teachings and What was really exposed at the end of it all, and the failure ultimately of it all, is that her primary fear in life was failure. It was the fear that was underlying all other fears. She was more afraid to fail than she was to die. And so because of this fear of failure, she could never let this initiatory experience happen. Because she couldn't accept the failure of the woman she'd learned to be to let her go so she could become someone else, the woman she could be. And this is really important. If you carry within you a fear of success or a fear of failure to to recognize how debilitating this is, that fundamental in getting past our fear of living fully and living well, living a life of purpose and living a life of meaning for us is the willingness to accept that the first version of who we came out most likely failed and to truly let it, acknowledge it and let it go. So it's important to accept that failure and let that door close so that other doors can open because the thing about these doors, you know, When you make a choice, certain doors close and other doors open is those other doors can't open people (laughs) until you let the other ones close. And that's the thing is most of us are chickens and we keep a foot in the door. We prop that old door open just in case we don't like the new way. And so one journey question that could be really fun would be to journey and just ask your helping spirits to show you all of the places you've got your foot stuck in a door. And then ask your great, great answers, okay, now go back to each one and ask what do you need to change in yourself to get that foot out of that door and do it. That would be a great task to do between now and the winter solstice give you a whole lot of things to throw into that winter solstice fire. Okay, so another thing you can do if you're feeling really um, tired of yourself like really tired of yourself, you'd actually like to throw your whole self into the winter solstice fire and get on with a new life, right? If you're really tired of yourself and you've got some um, brass balls, this is a brass balls journey, is you can ask to be shown all of the places you are failing to live a life of meaning. Walk through your whole day, your whole, your whole current life and ask to truly be shown all of the places uh, you are failing to live a life of meaning now that might be hard to see but wouldn't it be nice to simply know so you can get on with it so you can understand what it is you need to let go so you can get on with it i mean we are the people who chose to be here now to write the new story for the new world which means we need to become new people yesterday so why not why not do the brass balls journey find out For many, many, many years, I kept this quote from Alva Simon with me. Death is only one of many ways to lose your life. The dangers of not doing what you perceive as your destiny are greater than anything else. Not doing what you perceive of as your destiny is a greater danger than death. That is very important to flip those fear of death beliefs on their head and understand that not doing what has meaning and purpose for you is far uh, more damaging in the long evolution of your soul than death in a simple lifetime. So number two on our little list was to forge an intimate relationship with spirit, to feed that relationship, to tend it, and to really use it. And so the important thing, well, first off, intimate relationship with spirit, go to the site, whyshamanismnow.com, search for intimate relationship with spirit, and listen to that show. It's a very important thing to understand that in our relationship with spirit, we need to be willing to cultivate true intimacy with spirit. And so we one of the ways we do that is we go to our helping spirits and we ask, how do I feed this relationship? Do you learn their song and sing it? Do you learn their dance and dance it? Do you create an altar for them and leave particular offerings? Do you leave particular offerings and speak a certain prayer at a certain tree on your way to work? What is it that you need to do to feed that relationship? And then What do you do to tend it? I mean, many people think that they tend their relationship with their helping spirits by not eating meat. But if in not eating meat, you are damaging your health, creating an inflammatory response from eating, frankly, too many carbohydrates and not keeping your... Uh, food balanced, not giving your body the building blocks it needs to be in its constant state of repair and healing. You are diminishing your capacity to carry the co-creation that you create with your helping spirit out into the world. So you're not helping. You're not tending that relationship with your helping spirits if you're not tending your own help. And so what's important to do is to not take these pat answers you'd be given off a website or even, frankly, from a teacher, even, frankly, from me, journey about it. Ask your helping spirit, how do I tend this relationship? And and people always go, what do you mean by tending, Christine? I can't tell you how many emails I get about what does tending mean? Okay, so for example, with my husband. The deal breaker in our relationship from his perspective would be me sleeping with someone else, me having sex with someone else, male, female, it doesn't matter who or what, that for him, that would be an, uh, uh, a deal breaker. Now, interestingly, it's not a deal breaker for me. If he were to do the same thing, that wouldn't be it. I have other deal breakers. But for me... Or, and so tending. So, for me to choose to tend my relationship with my husband, I need to choose to tend that thing that for him is too painful and to not go there, even though it doesn't matter at all to me. Not a bit to me, but it matters to him. And so, I choose to tend that place in our relationship, even though I don't really have any natural instinct towards it no meaning myself towards it, but I do it for him because I care about our relationship so deeply and I want to tend it. I want it to grow. I want to give it the energy that will allow it to stay alive and to flourish and to keep changing as we age. That's tending a relationship. Right now, I've left these ridiculously enormous salvia plants in my garden, even though everything else, almost everything else has been pulled out for the winter Or harvested to eat. Because these dang hummingbirds love it so much. And they're totally overgrown. They're all over the place. They're a mess. But the hummingbirds are back day after day. And so I tend my relationship with hummingbird. Which is a critically important helping spirit in my cycle teachings. By leaving these dang salvias up. Way past when it's convenient for me to pull these dang things out. Get them ready for the winter. And to just let the hummingbirds feed inconvenient for me, but how inconvenient, given all that Hummingbird gives me. There's great, great grace in my relationship with Hummingbird in my family, my husband, everybody, because I'm willing to tend that relationship and feed that relationship and do things that are not exactly convenient for me, not exactly what I want to do, because I care more about what could come from the relationship. That's feeding and tending a relationship. And this is what it means to begin to forge a relationship with spirit. If you journey, will your helping spirit keep coming to you in your journeys? If you don't do that, yeah, probably. Assuming you do what you're told to do in your journeys and there's a certain flow of energy of receiving answers and acting on them, will your helping spirits keep coming? Sure. But you're not moving into the intimacy possible in that relationship that would allow your helping spirits to really help you to forge a life of great meaning and purpose. So you overcome your natural fears of living fully and you do it anyway. Partly I do that because I have great trust and belief in my helping spirits and the crazy things they tell me to do and they work. That many of the things make absolutely no sense at the time, I'm told. I do them anyway. And the reason unfolds as the events occur. So thus, part two on our little challenge here today in the soul cultivation that is necessary to live a life fully and to not be afraid of living fully is forge a truly intimate relationship with spirit and use it. Journey. Use your answers. But journey also about how to cultivate a truly intimate relationship with your specific helping spirit or spirits. Okay. So number three on our little hit parade was to develop a distance. Well, it was about the, the story of who I'd learned to be the woman, the, the dream woman, the story woman I had learned to be that had taken on as the definition for being a woman in the world, how that walked out. So, How do you do that? How could we approach that? So the way you would think about it is develop a distance between the man or woman you've learned to be and the deepest core inner person that you are. In other words, you begin to tease out who you have learned to be based on past successes and failures until you can begin to sense it as a role that you are choosing to play. That it is you don't have your inner self and your ego identity person so merged that there's no breathing room. You want to be able to sense this inner self and then this outer person that you've chosen to be, that you've crafted in your life. And so in this way, you begin to understand that there is an I. There is this inner, deep, most important self that is connected to your purpose, your soul's purpose. There's your personality and all the choices you're making to express and develop that personality and character in the world. And then there's this role. What it means to be a man or what it means to be a woman that you've taken on. And if you can tease these out in your awareness, you'll be making great headway. So how would you do that? Right? Sounds like a simple concept. How would you do that? For me... It was back to thank you, Phyllis Pay, for the energy clearing practices that I teach. So, once again, in this show, we're bringing up the actual energy clearing class again. It is so important in our effort to live fully and to not be afraid of living a full life to clear the things that distort that. So, the next time that class is happening is January at Rowe Center in Rowe, Massachusetts. You can register at Rowe, rwe.org or something like that, Center.org. Um, And just, it's there, it's in January, sign up if you want to learn to do this clearing practice. Okay. Anyway, back to the clearing practice. So for new journeyers, know that your helping spirits are really good at journeys that assist you in this um, because these, these energies are already present in your life and so... There are many, many journey questions you could ask to begin to tease these, uh, the I and the personality and the role out. Now, for advanced journeyers, you could work with the pool of true reflection. The pool of true re- reflection is, is a power spot that is created by the existence of the void, the, the true void, the source of all life void. And if you can cultivate a relationship with death, you could ask death to take you to the pool of true reflection. And you present an image of some of whatever it is to the pool and you ask the pool to show you the reflection of its deeper truth. And then you, you see what it's really about. So you can begin to sort out who's I, who's my personality, who's the role at the pool of true reflection. You could work with that. If you can cultivate a relationship with death to take you there and hold space for you while you are there. So all of this is really talking about something that frankly – You know, insurance companies, not that I necessarily believe in the whole racket of insurance, Um, that's a whole other story, but there was a great ad from the Fireman's Fund many, many years ago that says, Life is a rush into the unknown. You can duck down and hope nothing hits you, or stand up tall as you can, show it your teeth and say, dish it up, baby, and don't be stingy with the jalapenos. So what I love about this is this is the attitude. Don't duck down and try not to get hit by anything. Stand up, show it your teeth, growl at life a little bit and you know, say, dish it up, baby, let's go. So this is kind of the attitude that comes as we begin to do these four things in our life. And it's not a one-time journey. It's not like you're going to do four journeys and fix this, but it's a way of beginning to engage with your helping spirits, to move these four things in your life. So the fourth one was learn to listen to your soul. Now, this is actually the trickiest bit of the whole project here, but I guess the most practical thing that I've learned over all of these years is that the soul doesn't shout. The soul doesn't hurry up. So if you want to develop a primary relationship with your soul, then you have to slow down And you have to shut up. I'm sorry. It's just the way that it works. So there's really no reason to be polite or politically correct about that. And I know I always get emails. You shouldn't tell us to shut up. But the truth of the matter is, yeah, energy is very patterned. It has momentum. And sometimes you really have to be direct with yourself and your own energy and say, sit down and shut up. Let me hear a different voice. I am tired of you. Sometimes we have to say that to ourselves. Okay, because the thing that you really, really need to remember is that your soul is old. And for most of you listening to this show, that's a given. Your soul is old. What that also means is that your soul is tired of you and your story and all the ways you duck down and try not to get hit. All the ways that you play small. Your soul is tired of being yet another human that is afraid of living fully. So, this is about how then do you cultivate and learn to listen to your soul so your soul can go, Oh, thank goodness, she's finally listening. He's finally going to pay attention. So, the challenges. Um, I have some challenges for soul cultivation but I'm also running out of time and these are really good challenges for soul cultivation to address our fear of living well. So I think what I'm going to do is make this a two-part show and we'll talk about this next week. So what's really, really, really important in this issue of living well and not being afraid? Uh, to live fully is to keep with yourself one of these quotes. The reason I've used these, these are all quotes I've actually kept with me at some point in time in my life to remind me that I'm tired of myself. I'm tired of my story that I need and want. It's like changing my wanting that I want to know why I'm here more than I want anything else. Very, very important. And so to keep with yourself some sort of quote from some wise person. And it can be a quote, a serious quote, like death is one of the many ways to lose your life. The dangers of not doing what you perceive as your destiny are greater than anything else. It could be something very profound and serious like that but it could also be something like our fireman's fund ad life is a rush into the unknown you can duck down and hope nothing hits you or stand up tall as you can show it your teeth and say dish it up baby and don't be stingy with the jalapenos either way either way pick something pick some quote some t-shirt some bumper sticker something that can remind you that you are choosing to live fully you are accepting that who you have been has failed and letting him or her go you are forging a truly intimate relationship with spirit to help you to deal with the unknown that that brings into your life that you are allowing No, you are pushing out the man or the woman you have learned to be to create space to discover who you are. And in that, you are slowing down and being quiet and beginning to forge a relationship with your soul. And I guess we'll talk more about that next week. So I'd like to give thanks for the spirits that have gathered around us here, the ancestors of the people, the ancestors of life, the ancestors of the land. Give thanks to the earth below and the sky above and to the heart that unites us all. So I give great, great thanks to all of you for listening here today. Find your quote, have it ready next week as we talk about how we cultivate a relationship with our soul. Thank you, everyone. Have fun finding your quotes this week.